Tonight, God's Word comes to us once again from 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. We are going to begin our reading at verse 16 and read through verse 40, our focus tonight on verses 22 through 40. 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 16. What we hear now is God's word. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the, at the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull, and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be wakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, 
to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seahs of seeds. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, for the last several weeks, we have been looking at chapter 18 of 1 Kings as Elijah, the word of God, comes back into the land. We have seen his confrontation with the prophet Obadiah. We have seen his confrontation with Ahab. And last time we looked at this text, his confrontation with the people themselves. If God is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people responded with silence. Deafening silence. Now the conflict is not with Ahab or the people. The conflict will be through the prophets of Baal with Baal himself. As God himself will take on this false god Baal. It's a beautiful text. It's a text that is filled with lessons for us. We will not plumb the depths of this text tonight, but we will we'll look at some of the beautiful things God has given to us. Reminders of who He is. He is God and there is no other. And reminders of our obligation to recognize that and to confess that He is God. We'll see in this story, a story that's fairly familiar to many of us, that in this contest, Baal is given every advantage to win. And yet in the end, God demonstrates himself decisively to be the victor. Elijah says to Ahab, let's bring the people together for this contest on Mount Carmel. And they come together, and the plan is that uh, there will be an altar for Baal, there will be an altar for God, 
they will place a sacrifice on each of these altars, but they will bring no fire. They'll wait for God himself to provide that fire. Verse 24, and you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That's what's at issue. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Who is the true God? That's at, at the heart of this contest. And, and as we read through this, the odds are stacked against Elijah and God. First of all, just simply by the numbers involved, 450 prophets of Baal, 450 versus one prophet of God. Baal most certainly had the majority. Baal was in the majority position. A reminder for us, obvious reminder, that the majority is not always right. And I guess I would say that particularly to our young people today. It is very easy to go along with the crowd. It is very easy to say everybody's doing it. The majority are doing it. The majority is not always right. 450 prophets of Baal and one prophet of God. I say the odds are stacked against Elijah and God. Baal is the god of thunder and lightning. If anyone is going to send fire down from heaven, it's going to be Baal. That's what he does. That's what he sends. He sends the lightning from heaven. So Baal has every opportunity here. And in fact, even uh, the prophets of Baal were given first choice of the offering. Now, I don't know how you tell which offering is better than another offering, but maybe they did. And we read that in verse 23. He says, let two bulls be given to us, then you choose one yourself and cut it to pieces laid on the altar, and then I'll prepare the other one. So they even get the choice of which sacrifice they want to have. All the odds are stacked in Baal's favor. And, and Elijah says, and you go ahead and go first. You have first opportunity to demonstrate that your God is God. You have the first opportunity to succeed in this contest. All the odds stacked in Baal's favor. In fact, beyond that, they themselves were, were encouraging Baal to act, calling out to him. We read in verse 26, they took the bull that was given them, they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. And I, I just picture these 450 prophets, O Baal, answer us, O Baal, answer us, O Baal, answer us. Now that gets annoying with me doing it for 10 seconds. They did it from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, calling out again and again and again, calling upon their God to be the God who would answer by fire. But nothing happened. 
They began jumping and dancing and limping around the altar, trying to get Baal's attention. Look at us down here. Look what we're doing. We have an altar ready. We have a sacrifice ready. Send the fire. Oh, Baal, answer us. And, and this goes on for the whole morning. We read, in the afternoon they begin to cut themselves, and blood is flowing, perhaps to get Baal's attention even more seriously. Hey, there's blood here. It's time for a sacrifice. We're cutting ourselves. But still, Baal did not notice. They frantically rave about the altar, calling out. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. Elijah even taunts them, tries to get them to work harder at this. Verse 27, we read there, And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Maybe he's musing, maybe he's relieving himself, maybe he's on a journey, maybe he's asleep and has to be woken up. Call out even more. Elijah wants to make sure that they have done everything possible to call upon Baal and get him to answer. There would be no option for them at the end of the contest to say, yeah, but we weren't really trying hard enough. Maybe, kids, you've done that sometimes. You tell your friend, you know, I can jump from this line to that line way over there. And your friend says, oh, I don't think you can. Oh, no, I can jump from this line to that line. And your friend says, I want to see that. And you do your best, and you jump, and, and you don't quite make it. And your friend says, see, I told you you couldn't. And your answer is, well, I wasn't really trying. I wasn't really trying. The prophets of Baal cannot say they were not really trying. Call louder. Perhaps he's traveling. Perhaps he's sleeping. And what happens in spite of all their calling? Verse 29. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. All of their cries, all of their jumping, all of their cutting, there was no answer. No one paid attention. How could there be? Baal is no God. He is no true God. And yet Israel had begun to worship this Baal. They set up an altar for him in their capital. They engaged in idolatry, exchanging the one true God for a God who has no voice, for a God who does not answer, for a God who does not pay attention. That's the, the stark reality of idolatry. Idolatry, having or inventing something in which we put our trust in place of or alongside of the one true God, there is no hope. No one listens. No one answers. That's what happens when the prophets of Baal do all their calling and cutting and wailing. In, in stark contrast to that, we see 
what happens with the prophet of God. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah repairs the altar. We talked about that last time, an altar from earlier in their history, an altar that had not been used for so many years that it was now in disrepair. They had tried to combine the worship of God and the worship of Baal, but the Baal's altars were still standing on the altar of God in disrepair. There can be no syncretism in religion. Either we serve God or we serve another false god. And we read, going on in verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. He takes 12 stones to repair this altar. And I think we should not miss the significance of that. Remember where we are in the history of Israel. Israel had become a divided kingdom. There were the two tribes, called the, the tribes of Judah, and the ten tribes, the tribes of Israel. That's where we are in history. But Elijah does not make a ten-stone altar, he makes a 12-stone altar. And even that is an indictment against the people. That there should not be this sinful division among them. They were all the sons of Israel. And so he takes 12 stones to build this altar, reminding them of what we would call the unity or the Catholicity of their faith. And that, that, that may seem like a small point, but I think it's one we need to be mindful of even today. We recognize that today uh, you can look at the church landscape and see many, many different types of churches. And there are some valid reasons for why there are different churches out there. But while recognizing that, we must never make the mistake of thinking that just because someone is in a different church or doesn't see things exactly the way we see them, that they are somehow an unbeliever or a heretic. There is a, a Catholicity of the church of God. Twelve stones, all of them, in the altar. When I served my first charge in Phoenix, Arizona, there were not many other uh, uh, Reformed leaders in the area, and uh, I would go once a month uh, to a, a luncheon of, of Reformed ministers. Uh, pretty much all of them, except for me, were Reformed Baptists. 
Now, we differed on one of the most fundamental matters of theology, the nature of the covenant. But in spite of that, we recognized each other as brothers in the Lord. And I think, I think historically, if we look at Reformed churches, we're not necessarily good at doing that. We tend to put the walls up around our own congregation, or around our own federation and think everybody out there is all wrong. There were 12 stones in the altar, not just 10, not just the stones of Israel. Yes, there are legitimate reasons for some differences, but that does not, not mean there are not brothers and sisters in Christ in other fellowships. We have to be careful. Be careful in our own minds in our own language, in our own practice, that we, as Elijah would, build the altar with all the stones, recognizing differences, but there is a great Catholicity in the church of Christ. We have this sacrifice uh, that will take place, and it's done very timely. Uh, notice what we read in verse uh, 36. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God. At the time of the offering of oblation, this was a particular time. In God's perfect timing, Elijah steps up at this time when, when we would expect an offering to God to be given. A time for the offering of oblation. A time where, where in Jerusalem, a priest would be standing at the altar there making an offering, making a sacrifice to God. There in Jerusalem, the priest would bring the fire for the offering. Here on Mount Carmel, at the time for the offering of oblation, when God was prepared to receive that offering, he himself would bring the fire. And notice Elijah's simple prayer. Verse 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and you have turned their hearts back. No yelling, no dancing, no cutting, no raving, simply calling out to God, answer me, O God, answer me that they may know you are God. And the results could not have been clearer. God comes and demonstrates who he is, and he does so immediately. Verse 38, Elijah calls out, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. God answers immediately. Elijah doesn't have to call for hours and hours at a time. God answers immediately, and he answers completely. It's the offering, it's the wood, it's the stones, it's the dust, it's the water in the trench. God completely takes the sacrifice, burnt up in fire. This was not a photo finish. This was not even close. 
Nothing happens to the altar of Baal, and God sends fire from heaven to completely consume everything. Baal, no response. God, the full response. A clear victory. I am God, and there is no other. Remember why this contest was called. The people had been asked, if God is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. They see the fire fall from heaven. And what do we read in verse 39? And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They are brought to confess the truth of who the true God is. It is not Baal. It is not the one who is silent. It is not the one who is impotent, who can do nothing. The Lord. He is God. The Lord. He is God. And, and as that prayer is being offered and as that fire is sent down, notice what Elijah prays. Again, there's verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. God was calling them to repentance. God was calling them to acknowledge Him. God was at work calling them to make this confession. God comes and, and answers Elijah's prayer and changes their hearts, and God draws them back to himself. God initiates their repentance. God's glorious work in demonstrating his election already in the Old Testament. God is the one who changes hearts and who draws the people back to him. They saw the fire fall from heaven. And I can imagine this story was told again and again and again to their children and their grandchildren. We saw it. We were there. We saw the prophets of Baal dancing and jumping and cutting and nothing happened. We saw one prayer from the man of God and fire fell from heaven. And they confessed, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And it might be easy for us to say, you know, if God did that again today, we would most certainly believe. If we saw fire fall from heaven, how could we ever think there is any other God out there? And the story would be told again and again and again. We haven't seen fire fall from heaven. But we know something even more glorious not God sending fire down from heaven, but God sending His very Son down from heaven. The light of the world. The one who would come to hearts that are darkened by sin. And just as that fire came down and completely consumed the offering and everything around it, Jesus Christ comes and He does absolutely everything necessary to secure our salvation. Nothing left to us. Nothing we have to offer. He does it all. 
God's own Son, the light of the world. Come down to earth that we might respond, that our hearts might be turned back to Him. God calls us tonight to make that confession. Why will you go on limping between two opinions we talked about last, last time? If Baal is God, follow him. If the Lord is God, follow him. We have seen Baal is absolutely nothing. No voice, no answer. God answers with fire. God sends his own son down to secure the salvation of each and every one of his own. We must confess the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Notice, notice how this story ends. Verse 40. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. For those who would reject the one true God. For those who would follow after the Baal, after the false God, the result was death. They would be left in the just consequences of their sin. This is a matter of life and death. God calls us today. If the idols are gods, follow them. If God is God, follow him. He has revealed himself most beautifully in his son Jesus Christ. We have a faithful record of that revelation in his word. He calls us tonight. He moves our hearts that we might respond with love, with joy, and in joyous confession, the Lord he is God. The Lord he is God. May that be your confession as well. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for these wonderful stories in the Old Testament. Stories that tell us about your way with your people. Stories that instruct us even yet today. For they speak to us of the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, if we have continued to go on limping between two opinions... Tonight, you have revealed yourself ever so clearly. You are the God who answers by fire. You are the God who sent his Son from heaven. You are the God who has secured the salvation of each and every one of your own. Lord God, bring us to confession of that glorious truth that we might leave rejoicing, knowing that you are God and there is no other. Hear our prayer, O God. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to turn to 105B. 105B. Oh, thank the Lord with great rejoicing, His deeds among the people's voicing. Praise Him, His wondrous works proclaim, and glory in his holy name. 
We learned this tune, it's been about two years ago, uh, I think it'll be familiar to us. We're going to sing tonight just verses 1, 2, and 3 of 105b, and let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>